You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie, if you want, for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag, and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in DarkPod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off, and then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. You're listening to Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories with your host, disability awareness consultant, Drew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm, of course, your disabled daddy, your number one queer cripple, and your best disabled friend, Drew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled together and get the show started, everybody.
So I'm talking to you on a brand new computer that I bought the other day from the Apple store. And I had such an experience trying to pick up this computer during COVID. I had to get a new computer because my old computer, the keyboard stopped working, which made it really hard for me to make notes and do all the things I do and send out my amazing tweets and Instagram at Drew Gerza on those platforms. If you want to follow me there, you can see all that. But I had to get a new computer so I could record this amazing podcast for you folks too. So I had to go to the Apple store and I had to go around into like five different areas because when you go to pick up a computer right now and everything's on lockdown where I am in Toronto, we're on lockdown. So I had to go to the store, tell them I was there, have like five different security guards verify who I was and go and wait for the computer. And then when I finally got it, then I had to like take a cab home. It was a whole journey together. It took me like what should have taken 10 minutes took me like an hour and a half because of the COVID lockdown. So I'm doing this on a new computer, on a new system, and I'm so excited for this show today. This is actually a new series in the show that I'm going to talk about in a minute. But first, let's do the Patreon shoutouts. I've done some new stuff with the Patreon that I want to let you know about. I've done, I have done. I signed up for the Patreon. You can now sign up and, and pledge whatever you can for a year. So if you want to make a yearly pledge, you can do that. And you can, can go to the Patreon at patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge whatever you can for a year. Now, I would love to, to tell you what to pledge, but I don't want to do that because whatever your money situation is, especially right now, I get it. If you're able to, you can pledge $1 a month or $5 a month or up to a year of whatever you can afford. But I would appreciate that if you go to patreon.com and do that, then you'll get the show one day early and you'll get a weird, awkward shout out for me. And let's get to the weird, awkward shout outs today because we have a few. The shout-out today goes to my friend Benjamin Schindel, who pledged $10 a month to shine a bright light on disability stories with us on the Patreon, which means, Ben Schindel, you get a weird, awkward shout-out for me, and your shout-out is, Ben Schindel, I couldn't be more in delighted that you pledged to us. Ben, you're the men for doing that. I hope that's... That weird shout-out worked. I never said they'd be good, but thank you so much for your $10 a month pledge, Ben. Really, really appreciate it. If you want to support the show and get the show one day early, you can do so at patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. Pledging as little as $1 a month or $5 a month or now, whatever you can for the year, whatever you can pledge, I fully appreciate it. Thanks, friends. But now, let's get to the show. So, over the years of doing this show, you've heard me review movies like Me Before You, The Fundamentals of Caring, we reviewed The Shape of Water, and a whole bunch of other ones, and I wanted to come up with a proper name for this series. So I was thinking over, and I was looking over names, and I wrote down a few ideas, and I finally came up with, we could call this series Great Flicks and joysticks and I thought that sounded pretty awesome and I love alliteration as you probably all know so every time we do a fictional movie based around disability on this podcast from now on it will be called great flicks and joysticks so I'm really excited to bring this series to you with a new name so let's get to it the majority of the movies that I've reviewed have been me watching and lamenting the fact that many of the characterizations of disabled people in films have been played by 
not actually disabled people. So able-bodied people cribbing up and playing disability for sympathy or for laughs or for some other reason. But they were never actually played by a disabled person. This has literally become the reason that I watch these films and shows now on this podcast merely to hate watch the fact that there are no actual disabled people in the films. And it makes me so angry. And I just, I watch all these movies with you on the show and just think, fuck, where are the disabled people here? Where's the actual disabled experience here? Well, guess what, Disability After Dark friends? This is all about to take a huge turn because today's films on Great Flicks and Joysticks is a game changer. The film I'm going to watch today is Hulu's latest thriller offering, a film that is called Run. And I cannot believe I'm about to say this. This film actually has a disabled person, a real live disabled person, playing a real disabled character. Mind completely blown. Now, this film came out back in November 2020 on Hulu, but I started seeing talk of it popping up on disabled people's feeds in my Twitter and Instagram way back in like like early January 2020. And people were so freaking excited to see a disabled person playing a disabled person that people were already talking about it way back then. The film stars Queen Sarah Paulson, who I think is amazing, and I love all of her work. You've seen her in things like American Horror Story, the new Ratchet thing on Netflix, and, of course, the cool 2019 comedy. Was it 18 or 19? Whatever year that came out. Ocean's 8, she was in that. She's been in a bunch of other stuff. Really, really one of my favorites. Stars her and actual disabled newcomer, Kira Allen, who play a mother and daughter team who live together. Kira plays Koei, who is a manual wheelchair user and who's heading off to college next year. And Sarah Paulson plays her loving, doting, and somewhat overbearing mother and primary caregiver who wants to do everything to keep her happy and safe. So I'm going to read the synopsis, and then we'll play the trailer, and then we'll dive into the review, because I have a lot to say here. Here's the synopsis. The movie, directed by Anish Chaganti, centers around a wheelchair user teen, Chloe, and her mother, Diane, played by Sarah Paulson, ensconced in their cozy, accessible home, the pair seem to be happy as they wait for Chloe's college acceptance letters. But the reality of their relationship is far more sinister and is at the heart of Run's horrifying mystery. As we find out in a late-stage twist, Chloe was actually abducted from the hospital and her disability was caused by her own mother, who, is heavily, who, it is implied, heavily has a disability and has something known as FDIA syndrome, which is, which is Munchausen by proxy, and that leads to her abuse of Chloe. Okay, so now I'm going to play the trailer, and then I'll get to my review. Will she be okay? 
everything for me. You teach me. You cook for me. Am I a burden? Sweetheart. I could do more. I'm your mom. It's my job to take care of you when you need me. And you need me. Are you okay, Mom? Of course I'm okay. I have you. saw this trailer I was blown away because she says in the trailer Chloe says mom do you think I'm a burden and they're sitting at the table and she says that and that is something that resonated with me really hard as a disabled person because I think we've had those feelings so much we very rarely get to see those things played out or talked about on screen at all so seeing this from a real live disabled person seeing this is from somebody who lives this in their real lives and not played on just for screen made me feel so connected to the film right away and I was hooked and so excited to watch it right from the jump the very first scene is one of a baby being resuscitated by hospital staff knowing that this film was about disability beforehand I was already hooked from this scene because That's an experience that so many of us went through, whether we remember it or not, of being resuscitated by hospital staff as babies. And then we see the baby's mom, Sarah Paulson, getting wheeled down the hallway to go see her baby. All the while as this is happening, there's ominous music playing in the background so that you know something isn't quite right here and something's going on here, but you don't quite know what's happening. But there's really like quiet violins and some weird spooky music happening so you know that things aren't this isn't going to be like your typical lovey-dovey disability story where you where like the disabled character triumphs over their disability and goes running into the forest out of happiness it's not going to be that kind of movie you can tell that right away and so the mom looks at the baby through the isolate and starts crying and i think this is another scene that will resonate really hard with disabled folks and also their parents And then the mother asks to the doctors, will she be okay? And then from there, we move into the opening title card, which I absolutely loved. I love the title card because after she says, will she be okay? It goes to black and the title card 
comes up showing all the diagnoses that this baby has and it finally spells out what the diagnoses are and I took a screenshot of what the diagnoses are and I'm going to read them now so let me just grab that hang on so the title card starts out with all her diagnoses and the first one says she has arrhythmia an abnormality of electrical impulses in the heart causing irregular heartbeats the next one says hemochromatosis an excess of accumulation of iron in the bloodstream causing rashes and nausea the next one says asthma an inflammation of the airways in the lungs causing difficulty breathing the next one says diabetes an impairment of the pancreas to produce insulin causing glucose causing unstable glucose levels and the last one says an inhibition of muscle function sorry the last one says paralysis an inhibition of muscle function causing an inability to move feel walk or run and then it 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 <laughs> it kind of centers in on the word run and then the movie starts and i thought this was such a fantastic way to start the movie because we never see diagnoses on screen like that we never see them shown that way and it was such an artistic and cool way to position disability in this thriller i was immediately mesmerized by what was happening and i was so even watching it again for the review i was like this is so cool this is so different than anything i've seen around disability before i was just so excited then we see Diane, the mom, played by Sarah Paulson, and other parents in a disability support group talking about when Diane's daughter Chloe will be going to college. Diane says that she's glad that Chloe's leaving so that she can start to have her life too. She can travel, she can date, she can meet someone. Diane says that Chloe is the most capable person she knows and that she won't worry. And then we have all these other parents talking about how hard they're disabled child lives are and like a really a very typical trope of what you would think a room full of non-disabled parents might be talking about when it comes to their kids how they're scared some of their fears really things you would expect non-disabled parents to bring up I think and I think that many disabled folks will watch that first scene and will resonate with the mom or dad or parent who is overprotective and also the parent who is really excited for their child to gain some independence and gain some real-world experience. And so from that scene, we then meet Chloe as she gets up in the morning and starts her routine. And one of the things I love about her morning routine that you see right away, you see her get in her wheelchair and you see her start cough therapy, using ointments, taking pills, and we see her use her um, her wheelchair lift to go downstairs, to bring her downstairs. And all of these things, they only last about 30 seconds on screen in that first or second scene. But they establish her life as a disabled character. And I promise you that watching this will feel very familiar to the disabled viewer. It's something that we so rarely, if ever, see on screen. And I felt that it was... As a viewer, as a disabled viewer, I felt that it was so, so important to see that. And then we also see the lengths to which 
Chloe's non-disabled mom, Diane, will go to take care of her. We see her do cooking for her. We see her helping her with her physical therapy. And we note that she's homeschooled by her mom. And also her mom... We, we know that she's going... We know that she's waiting to go off to college. And we see her mom intercepting her college acceptance letters. Every time she goes to want to go check the mail, her mom is there... And she's like, oh, I already checked it for you. Oh, I already got it. Don't worry. If you get a letter from the schools, I will let you know. And so you can see a little bit of their relationship, and you can see a little bit about, well, her mother cares about her. There's something kind of off here. You can tell that pretty much right away. And one of the things that I loved watching was how naturally Kira Allen and the character of Chloe got glided along in her manual wheelchair. Usually... When you see a non-disabled actor playing disabled, you can tell they really don't have a comfort level with what they're doing with wheelchairs or mobility devices. You can tell it isn't something that's second nature for the actor here. Um, I'm thinking specifically of like Brian Cranston or that guy who was in that guy who was in uh, the Fundamentals of Caring. You could tell that there was no, uh, there was not a real innate natural ability to this but when you watch Kira Allen here as she moves along in her wheelchair you can definitely tell that she's a real life wheelchair user and that felt really kind of cool to watch because I very rarely have seen this in film in like fictionalized film and that was really great to see so then it cuts to Diane in the dark with a with a glass of wine watching old videos of her daughter at like by herself in the dark, just re-watching old videos of her daughter. And you can tell right then, you're like, oh, okay, she has a weird obsession with her kid. That's a bit scary. Like, yikes. It heightens, it heightens the drama a little bit. And you can, you, again, you don't quite know what's happening yet. Maybe she's just watching old videos. But you can sort of tell that something is going on here. When I first saw that scene, I was like, oh, yikes, okay, she's, all right, like, my mom doesn't sit alone in the dark and watching old videos of me, I'm pretty sure, and I, like, I knew something's going on there, like, all right, she's a little bit too attached to her disabled kid, okay. But again, I really think that'll resonate with disabled viewers because we can all understand what it's like to have a really overprotective parent, so I think disabled viewers watching this will understand the the kind of the heightened discomfort around a scene like that. So then Chloe finds out that her mom has a new pill prescription in her mom's name that her mom later gives to Chloe. And Chloe is like, this is weird. This is a new pill. Like, what's, what's this for? And when she asks her mom, her mom says, oh, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, a new pill and they put it in my name because whatever and the pill bottle wraps around don't worry about it it's fine and just for this will come back later the pill is green and so we notice this new pill and you know chloe is like really concerned because she's like why am i taking this new medication which again i think plays on plays on feelings a lot of disabled people will have about taking a new medication and what that feels like um we then see Chloe the next morning about to, to take her morning pills with that extra pill in her hand amongst all her other pills. And we notice that all the pills that she has to take are out of her reach. 
in cabinets that she can't reach by herself. So she built herself an electronic grabber, which which to to grab the pills and to find out what the pills are for. And I think this scene speaks to two major things for the disabled viewer. The commonality of not being able to reach something in your own house, which we know happens for so many of us. Even in my house that I'm sitting in right now, there's so much that I can't do on my own. And a scene like this also speaks to the regularity of pills and medications and how scary it can be for a lot of disabled people and chronically ill individuals to have a new medication in their regimen and have to start taking it and being like, oh, what is this for? Then we see that Chloe is going to get the mail one day and then again her mom is there being like, oh, you're going too fast. Why are you leaving the house? Why are you getting the mail? Her mom is always there. And again, this plays on the overprotective parent of a disabled child trope that we know all too well. And then Chloe realizes her mom pasted her old prescription label on the new one. At bedtime, Chloe doesn't swallow the new pill and attempts quietly to head downstairs because her mom made sure that she doesn't have a phone or internet access. At one point in the movie, she says, oh, I wish I had an iPhone, mom. And her mom's like, yeah, whatever, you, you're not going to get it. So she tries to go downstairs to the family computer to Google what the pill is. And I think this scene speaks to a whole bunch of things, again, like inaccessibility in the home, the downright loudness of disability equipment, because as she's trying to sneak downstairs, like the her, her stair lift make noise, her wheelchair makes noise, all these things make a whole bunch of noise. And how many times have those of us with mobility devices or wheelchairs tried to be quiet and do something and everybody can hear us? When she's on the computer and they have only Windows 95, which makes no sense because this movie was clearly made in 2020, why wouldn't you have upgraded your computers to something somewhat more relevant? But okay, they're on Windows 95. She's on the computer trying to Google this pill and then the power goes out and we can see her mom, the camera pans to her mom like in, in a back room watching her and you're like, oh, okay, something super, she's definitely spying on her kid. This feels really, like, scary. And it touches on the idea of disability and having no privacy, which, again, so many of us with disabilities will watch this film and feel, and feel exactly where this character is. Because in one way or another, in terms of, like, privacy and wanting some alone time, we've all been there. And it just feels extra heightened here, which I kind of loved as a disabled viewer, I can't lie. I think it was really clever to use all of the things that the disabled viewers would know to make it a little bit scary. So then after we see her mom spying, Chloe tries to call the pharmacy on her mom's landline the next day, and while the actress Kira Allen can do this with ease and easily pick up a landline phone and dial the numbers, I think it would have been really interesting to see how someone with a different level of disability or different set of disabilities would be able to be so s sneaky and quietly like do the phone and all that stuff. I'd love to see somebody with spasms. Like, what if she dropped the phone by accident? What if she like threw the phone across the room or something by accident as she was trying to dial the numbers? That would be make for a really tense situation and a really a really fun, creepy way of of 
of using common disability things that happen to a lot of us in the horror thriller vibe. So as she's doing this, she calls a random person while her mom's gardening and her mom can see her from where she's gardening. And so Chloe tries to, she calls this random guy and she tries to get him to Google the pill for her. She tells the guy she doesn't have a cell phone or the internet connection, which is true. But I feel like she probably would have gotten things done a lot faster if she had just said, hi, I'm disabled and I need some help. Could you help me? I feel like the guy probably would have helped her or overhelped her or been really quick to help her um, and want to help the disabled kid. Instead, she says she's an orphan, which is weird, and she should have just jumped into into her disability role. Saying she's disabled would have been a much quicker sell uh, and easier to probably get the guy to help her. Um, and then, so he's helping her and and... He Googles it for her, and he finds out that the pill is for severe heart conditions. And then Chloe says, really dramatically, what color is the pill? And the guy says, oh, it's a little red pill. And you realize very quickly that this pill is green, and it's not what she's been taking, so it's kind of scary. And so things become really intense really fast. Then at dinner, Chloe convinces her mom to go out to a movie, and before they go, she collects all of the green pills, and she puts them somewhere, and then they head out to the movie. And at the movie theater, there's a small important nod to wheelchair users everywhere, which is to have Diane, Sarah Paulson, her mom, sit in the regular seat, and Chloe to wheel up next to her in the wheelchair seating, which I thought was really cute because, you know, we could have seen the the we could have seen Chloe transfer into a regular seat, but they made the point that she was disabled and would stay in her chair, which so many of us when we were allowed to go to movies and go out and have movies, so many of us did that with our friends where they would sit in a regular seat and we would sit in the wheelchair seating. So it was a quiet little nod to that reality and I really, really enjoyed that. So at the movie then, Chloe says to her mom, Oh, mom, I have to pee. I'll be back in a minute. And she like sneaks out to go to the pharmacy. And on her way to the pharmacy, she runs into a couple people, like literally runs into them. And she's like, Hey, can you move? Would you mind moving for me? Thank you. Which I think is, again, an all too common experience for wheelchair users, asking people to just please move out of the way. And then at one point, she pushes a button to use the crosswalk and does so really easily. And I think, again, it would be really awesome to explore what would happen if she wasn't able to do the crosswalk on her own and how that would look. Like, what if she had to ask somebody for help? I think that would be really interesting to see on screen, too. So she finally gets to the pharmacy, and she, in line at the pharmacy, there's a huge lineup at the pharmacy. She asks people to let her cut the line. And at first, they're all like, no, no, I don't want to cut the line. You wait your turn. But when they realize that she's disabled and in a wheelchair, they're all like, oh, oh, sorry, let me get out of the way for you. Which, again, was a really cute nod to, like, so many of us with mobility devices have asked for this help and been told no, and then they realize how disabled we are or what our disabilities are, and they're like, oh, I want to be a good person, so sure, I'll let you go. And, again, I thought that was a really good nod. Um, 
and it was an, it was it was a really cute thing to see that resonated with me as a wheelchair user who has done that in line many times. And at one point, as she's cutting through, she's like, "Oh no, I'm paralyzed. Feel bad for me," which makes which just made me howl laughing because. Like, you can tell that she's got some wit on her, and she's funny, and she knows that she can she can use this this to her advantage if she needs to, and I really like that. So she finally gets up to the pharmacist, and the pharmacist won't give her any info because the pills are in her mom's name, and then the pharmacist tries to explain to her what confidential means. She's like, it's confidential, and that means, and Chloe's like, I, I understand what confidential means. Thank you. And so I think this was, again, important because we experience being able to explain things on the daily by non-disabled people, especially the gatekeepers of our medications. So when she was like, I know what it means. Thank you. Again, that really resonated with me. So after convincing the pharmacist that her mom and her are playing a game of some sort, like an escape room game, the pharmacist reveals that Chloe's mom, <coughs> Chloe's mom is getting the pills for their dog, which up until this point, we don't see them with a dog. So you know, again, something is wrong off the bat here. And I didn't get in this scene why she gets all the way to the pharmacist and she, again, didn't use her disability in the best way possible here. She could have easily said, oh no, I took the pills by accident. I need your help. Oh no. Um, I mean, the pharmacist is already talking down to her. So she may as well just play with that trope and tell the pharmacist that she took the pills by accident. She needs to know what the pills are for so that she could be safe. But instead, she tells the pharmacist that it's a game between her and her mom, which just felt like it was a really roundabout way of not talking about disability when she could have. I don't know. So then Diane comes in and finds Chloe in the, in the line, and she finds Chloe kind of freaking out. Chloe starts hyperventilating and realizing that her mom tried to harm her or was trying to harm her. And I think this plays on a lot of disabled people's fears that someone, a carer or a, a, a family person, might at some point try to harm them or might have at some point, whether they meant to or not, trying to harm them. And her mom then jabs her with a needle to put her to sleep and like creepily whispers, it'll be okay, I got you baby girl. Don't worry, and it's a really chilling scene because she's totally at the mercy of her mom, and that's terrifying. So she, Chloe's mom places her in bed. They're at home now, and her, her mom calls the pharmacist and says, Oh, no, I'm so sorry. The pill she's been taking has made her kind of out of it. I'm so sorry, and she tries to pin the blame on Chloe. And then we see Diane furiously writing. We cut to her furiously writing to, to the doctors about the meds, giving Chloe the delusions. But if you're watching this and you look at this scene, you can see in her emails that and it gives you a clue that something is super wrong. There's an email that reads, Diane, I know a survivor of abuse when I see one, and I think you should just... And then the email trails off, and then you can see Diane Googling things like household neurotoxins, so you know things are going in a really dark direction now. So Chloe wakes up and realizes she's locked in her room and she can't she can't she's locked in her room, she's in bed, she can't get out. She can get into her wheelchair, but she can't get out of her room. And this is a truly 
terrifying moment for any disabled person. If you're locked in your room or you can't do something or you drop your phone or something, that's a really scary moment for a lot of us. And so that's, that for me is where the horror lied in the little moments where you can't access things. So Chloe realizes she's locked in a room and she decides that she's able to pick the lock, which I thought was a great scene. But I, again, I would have loved to have seen how different it, that might have looked if it was a character with limited dexterity and different levels of ability than she had. We then see that her mom has put a... She put a, a backhoe on her door so she can't get out. She's barricaded in. Chloe then realizes she has to climb out of the window, so she checks her blood sugar, pounds back some food, puts some water in her mouth, and starts making an electrical wire to drag herself out of the window and go into another window in her house. I liked this scene because so many of us with disabilities have to check in with our bodies before we do something. Sure, many of us are not scaling the roof to get into other parts of our houses after our mothers have trapped us in the house, but it's nice to see that she would have to consider what her body can and cannot do before we do something, or we just ignore it completely and we pay for it later. Many of us do that too. Either way, I think when we check in on our bodies and whether we can do something, it was nice to see that being portrayed on screen. So before she climbs out the window, she puts a big gulp of water in her mouth and holds it in her mouth while she's being dragged across the the roof to get into the other window. Um, and I thought this was a great scene, but again, I would have loved to have seen how that might have looked for her if she had different disabilities like cerebral palsy where swallowing and choking might have been a different issue and might have been an issue for her and holding the water in her mouth. So she goes up to her mom's bedroom window, cracks the window open and drags herself into the window and to her room and tries to get access to her wheelchair. And I think this scene was also particularly important because we've all had the experience, especially if we use mobility devices, we've all had the experience of, if I can just get to my mobility device, I will feel safe and I will feel okay here. Each and every disabled person has had the situation of needing their mobility device in one way or another in order to feel safe. So then once Chloe gets back in her chair and she gets out of her room, she realizes that her mom has cut the power to her chairlift, to her ramp to go down her stairs. And I think this is a particularly terrifying moment for the disabled viewer watching because the feeling of absolute dread that comes over you knowing that, uh, knowing that you can't get up and down or you're stuck somewhere or you can't do this by yourself, that's a really real feeling. And we've all felt that when something doesn't work or the devices that we use to get around stop working. We all have felt that, that like, oh no, what do I do now thing. Um, and I really appreciated these everyday things that so many of us worry about and think about were used as honest, terrifying tropes in the film. And that's what made it so suspenseful for me. And why I was really drawn to the film itself.
Chloe then realizes that because the stairlift doesn't work, she'd have to launch herself down the stairs and throw herself down the stairs, which, and I, I think so many of us have been in this situation where we realize in order to get somewhere, do something, or open something, or, or like, help ourselves, we'd actually have to hurt ourselves here, and that really sucks, but again, so relatable, and so many of us have felt that way. So, Chloe launches herself down the stairs and does a tumble roll, which I feel like, again, would have been really curious to see how somebody with other disabilities would have looked in this situation, but she launches herself down the stairs, hurts herself, um, and she's bleeding from the head, but as she's lying there, kind of catching her breath, you can see that all of a sudden she can move her toes, and her toes can move. So you can tell that the, again, the paralysis that she thought she had for life was obviously perpetrated by her mom. So she painfully gets back up in her chair and races for help. And she like goes out the door in her, in her wheelchair and like speeds out there. And she goes down the ramp. And I love seeing all of the equipment in her house, like the lift and the and the... The grabber she made and all those things. I, th I love the quiet little nods to disabled people who would understand exactly what the need for a ramp in a house would be. And who would understand exactly why you need a grabber. And all the little things that only the disabled viewer would understand, I think, is really, really powerful in a, in a film like this. And as she's racing to get help, I kept wondering, I wonder what this would look like if she was in a power chair. Like, what if... When she was racing to get out of the house, her chair started to die and the battery started to not go. And like, these are things that as a power chair user, I worry about happening all the time when I go out. So it would be really interesting to see that from another perspective as well. As all this is happening, she gets stuck in the mud with her wheelchair. You see that her wheels get stuck and she can't get out as she's trying to flag someone down for help, which is an experience that so many of us have had where our wheelchairs aren't working or they're stuck somewhere or, or I've been stuck in the mud or stuck in puddles or stuck in things before and you really feel helpless and you're like, what do I do now? Oh no. And so it just like, I love how at every turn there was a disability thing that's happened to all of us where she needs help and she can't do anything. And again, it heightened the sense of fear in this movie, which I don't even understand if the the production team understood how powerful that would be, but it really was. So Chloe finally gets unstuck into the mud, and she sees the mailman coming, and she runs out in front of him in her wheelchair, and he stops before he hits her, and then as he comes out, she she like he sees something's wrong. And they start talking inaudibly. And then we see Diane, her mom, in her car get there and stop on the road. And she runs out of her car and tries to get to Chloe. But the mailman says that Chloe told him that her mom tried to hurt her. So Diane immediately tries to blame this on the, on the medication. She's having delusions. Oh my goodness, you can't believe her. We gotta help her and all these things. Diane goes on and on about how many disorders and diseases Chloe has and how unwell she is and how hard it has been for her as a mother trying to convince the mailman that by not giving by not giving Chloe back 
to her mom, the mailman is actually harming Chloe. The mailman refuses to give Chloe back to her mom, which I said, good for you, mailman, good for you. And he says, no, I can't give her back to you, but I can let you follow us to the hospital. And then he says to Chloe, do you want me to take you to the hospital or the police? And Chloe says, I want to go to the police. So as they're about to go to the police in the guy's mail truck, Diane comes up out of nowhere and stabs the, the, the mailman in the neck with a syringe, leaving Chloe at the mercy of her mother yet again. And I think this, again, speaks to more of the fear of, like, what, what do you do when the person that's supposed to take care of you or doesn't or is supposed to help you doesn't do that and is actually trying to harm you? And I think this really instilled a lot of fear in the disabled viewer, and it certainly made me feel a lot for the Chloe character because we know there are people out there in the real, in the real world who go through these kind of abuses every day, and that's really... Um, that's really, it was really tough to watch that because we know people go through that every day. Uh, so then Chloe wakes up in her room by herself, locked in her room, and she's terrified. And she sees that her mother has made up a bunch of poisons to hurt her. She's able to get into her wheelchair this time. And she sees also that she looks around the room and she sees that she's been accepted to multiple colleges. But her mother just didn't want her to go. So she'd never showed her the letters, which really sucks. And again, plays on the overprotective parent that's like, I don't want to let go of my disabled kid. The difference being when I went to college, my mom literally dropped me off at college and said, bye, see you Christmas. Like, so a completely different experience for me. Uh, and when I got accepted, we had a big party. But but um, you you see that she... She's been accepted everywhere she wants to go. She wanted to go to, like, Washington U or something. And so Chloe realizes that she is... She then realizes that she's looking at these letters, that she's chained in her wheelchair. The wheelchair is chained to something, and she can't get out. She can't really move around the room. She can only move around the room a little bit. So she realizes that she can't leave or do anything because her mom has trapped her there. Once again, I think this is a particularly terrifying scenario for disabled folks, and they'll really get a kick out of watching this because, again, we've all been there. What if you're stuck and you can't move? What do you do? Chloe then decides to get on the floor. She puts herself on the floor and drags a box of old photos that she sees in the room and finds a picture of herself as a baby being able to walk. And I thought that this part of the movie was important and would speak to disabled and non-disabled folks alike because disabled people will understand what it is like to see themselves in photos where they have more function. And non-disabled people will understand the fear of becoming disabled and losing those abilities of being able to walk and how scary that must be. So I think this particular scene where she realizes she could once walk is particularly re relevant. It plays on able-bodied fears of becoming disabled and plays on disabled fears of losing 
certain functions or taking medications that will make you lose function. There's a whole bunch of stuff there that, that that's wrapped up in this, which I think makes it particularly poignant for a movie like this. And there's so much unspoken discussions of ableism that I saw here, and I thought it was really cool that, that well, they never talk about it, they never use the word ableism. It's all wrapped up in there. And then we learn, plot twist, that as she's looking through the old photos, she sees pictures of, she sees a birth certificate of some of a baby named Chloe that died at two hours and eleven minutes. And then as she's looking through, she sees a, a, a newspaper clipping that says "newborn snatched from hospital, parents looking for baby" or something like that. And so you know that Chloe was stolen from her birth parents, and that just heightens and makes it more scary. And so then Diane finally comes to the room and comes down, and. Chloe tells her that she knows what's happening and she knows what she did. And Chloe says, Hey mom, was I ever sick? Was I ever normal? Could I ever walk? And so Diane says back to that, Everything I did was for you, Chloe. And I think that this sentence will ring true for a lot of disabled folks watching who have had really overprotective parents and also parents of disabled people watching will, have, will also recognize themselves having said to their kids, a lot of what I've done for you is to make your life better is for you and for you to be okay in this life. So I feel like that sentence that she says, everything I did was for you, Chloe, it was sinister in this moment, but I think it will ring true for a lot of disabled people watching. And then we see Diane mixing more poisons together. Chloe freaks out and starts screaming, no, 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 I don't want this, I don't want to die. And I felt like this could be really... Um, traumatic for people with who have experienced trauma within the medical system and I felt like again perfect horror trope really needs to be examined in terms of disability and the medicalization of disability and should be talked about more so Chloe is able to get herself in the storage closet and and able to get away and she closes the door and locks the door and she sees she looks up on the shelf and sees all the pills that her mother used to keep her sick. Like so many pill bottles are there. So many different prescriptions. And so many different pills are there. And she, she realizes that. Her whole life has been made to be sick. Chloe decides to take organophosphates. So that she'll either die. Or so that she'll have to go to the hospital. And get helped or rescued. And I wasn't sure. Did she want to take the poison to kill herself and just get out of the situation entirely, which I felt would have been super ableist when I first watched it, but then just before she drinks the organophosphates, um, she reads on the label that it it says, if ingested, call 911. So then she ingests it, and, she, and her mom busts in and sees that she's taking it, and it's like, oh no, don't do this, you're gonna die, don't leave me, don't leave me, and Chloe just before she drinks it, says, you need me, mom, you need me, and she drinks it, and then her mom comes in the room and starts, like, freaking out that she took it and trying to revive her. Um, the next scene we see is Chloe is in the hospital, again, with, with, the, with the hospital team, with a ventilator down her throat, and I found this particularly interesting in, that the hospital um, in this movie the hospital staff 
tried to help Chloe in this situation. They investigated the mother right away and tried to get Chloe some help. And I found this rarely happens for disabled people in the hospital system and in the medical system. They're usually not so attentive to what we need. So I was surprised to see this little piece of artistic license here. Because in real life, they probably wouldn't have been so ready to help you. They probably would have put you, expected your parents to know what to do and not actually listen to you. So the hospital finally realizes that the mother is abusive because Chloe gets the attention of a nurse and tries to write the word mom in crayon to the nurse, but the nurse gets called away to a code blue. Again, I felt it was really rare for a nurse in that situation to fully listen to the patient and to be so attentive. That doesn't happen in real life. Doesn't really happen IRL, friends. Not really. The last time I was hospitalized, I had to go to the hospital in July for a for a urinary tract infection turned almost kidney infection. The nurses tried to lift me without using a Hoyer lift, and they were like, oh, no, we don't need anything, and you'll be fine. And I, I contested and said, get a Hoyer lift. And they were like, oh, no, you'll be okay. So it's very rare that the nurses actually pay attention to you. So the... So then Diane, we realize that Diane tries to abduct Chloe from the hospital and tries to get her out of the hospital bed and puts her in a wheelchair and wheels her down through the hospital to get her out of there. Um, and she's in the hospital and you see a scene of like her in the wheelchair asking for help with her eyes but not able to say much. And no one stops her because all they see is a mom in a wheelchair. Uh, sorry, a mom with her daughter in a wheelchair not doing anything. So no one helps her because she can't communicate that she needs help. Um, and then the nurse realizes that the mom took Chloe without consent. Diane took her without consent. Uh, and they call security. And security catches up with them and shoots the mom. And she falls down the escalator and hurts herself. And you think she's dead. But at the end, about seven years later, we then see Chloe going into prison. And she goes up to the metal detector and she she's in her wheelchair and she stands up in the metal detector and um we realize that she is an ambulatory wheelchair user which i thought was really cool and an important thing to see and she walks through the metal detector but then she sits down again and she goes in and she talks to her mom about uh her life and what's happening we see her mom in, in the prison ward kind of like old and decrepit and she's talking to her mom about their new life and her new baby and how great it is and then Chloe fishes something out of her mouth and you're like what's happening and you can see her like doing something in her cheeks moving something around her cheeks and she spits out these things at her mouth and you look down and you can see they're the green pills and the last thing she says is open wide mom I love you and I just thought that was a really neat scary twist because she's like, I'm going to get you back now, Mom. I'm going to get you back for all the years of things you did to me. So I thought it was super fun. And I, I loved I loved it. I loved this movie so much. Even though there were some definite problems with it, I love it a lot. So many of the critics who watched this movie said that it was fun. Or maybe it was too predictable. But they rarely spoke on the importance of this film in disability cinema which is part of why I wanted to do this review 
so much and I've wanted to do this review for months and I'm so glad I'm finally doing it. Um, they don't talk about how critically important seeing this on screen is. And in fact, Kira Allen, the girl who plays Chloe, was quoted in Variety as being the first wheelchair user in a thriller movie in the last 70 years, which is fantastic and almost impossible to believe, but that's awesome. There's also a really cute video of Kira Allen on Instagram from a few months ago opening up her spread in the New York Times and how excited she is seeing herself there. That's really powerful. Um, and so Kira Allen, if you're listening, or Sarah Paulson, if you're listening, I'd love to have you on the show talking about this stuff because it's so, so important. And I just think both of your performances were amazing and thank you for doing it. I also think that this film has opened up so many doors for disability in different genres. Not only does it have to be stuck in uh, the feel-good kind of inspiration porny genre that it's so often stuck in, this movie will swing the doors wide open for disability to do a whole bunch of different things in different genres. And I loved, I loved that so much. Okay, so this has been Great Flicks and Joysticks, episode 225 of Disability After Dark. I want to hear what other fictional disability movies you want me to review. What other movies should I review? And what, what kind of movies do you want to hear me talk about? This is different from the other series that I'm going to start eventually, which I meant to start on Thursday, but then I didn't get around to it. So I'm going to do a movie, I'm going to do a series called The Disability Doc Project, where I focus on disability-themed documentaries and real people talking about their real disabilities in real life. So I want to know, for this series, Great Flicks and Joysticks, what... um, what other fictional disability movies do you want me to review? Let me know. Uh, send me an email, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Let me, know, let me know what movies I should glom onto. I like doing this stuff, and this could be a really fun series we do now. So um, thank you so much for listening, and uh, I'll play the ending stuff, and we'll be back soon. Thanks, friends. Bye. Alright, that was another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories, a part of the Wheels on the Ground network. I'm really, really happy you came to this one. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.drewgerza.com and you can follow me on all my socials at, at DrewGerza. So Instagram and Twitter at DrewGerza. You can also follow the podcast at DisAftDarkPod on Twitter. Remember, if you want to be a part of the show, you can email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us a little bit about why you want to be on the show, and we'd love to have you. The show is, again, no longer just a sex and disability podcast. We want to talk to you about everything. So drop us a line. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. Remember, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge as little as $1 a month or as much as $5 a month or more to keep a bright light shining on these stories. 
I'm your host, Drew Gerza, your disabled daddy. Thank you so much for listening to this Wheels on the Ground production. And um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021